The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and it's great to be back with you again for another week. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say a thank you to my guest last week, uh, Hilary Wilson, uh, made her, her radio debut, but she did a brilliant job, I thought, in, in talking with me about career success and really helping to bring that subject alive, uh, some content that I would have loved to have had when I'd set out on my career about 20 years ago. So I thought I'd start with a story about something that happened to me only yesterday. Now, I arranged a day out with a client friend of mine um, fly fishing on a really beautiful reservoir called Draycote, which is near Rugby in England. And it was my first visit there. And during the day, we accidentally put the motor on full throttle, having forgotten to remove the anchor <laughs> from the water. And that the back of the boat went up in the air and I very nearly ended up in the water and Fortunately, with the exception of a sore elbow, we were able to have a, a really good laugh at how careless we've been. Now, in reflecting today, I realized there were some lessons in it. And a key one is to make sure you see the big picture before you plow straight on ahead. Um, not only that, we caught only one trout between us and we consoled ourselves during the day that uh, they just weren't biting. Only to find that one person on the reservoir had actually caught 17 that day. And if we bothered to see the fishery manager about halfway through the day, we might have found out uh, how to catch a few more. You see, again, we didn't see the big picture. It's like saying, oh, it's not my fault. So the market's down. When in reality, some people in your market are probably actually successfully flying right now. Or in this case, more successfully fly fishing. So to quote my guest today. Leaders inevitably find themselves spending the greater part of their time dealing with the day to day when they do take the time out. You know, they might invest in developing their own skills and only occasionally they might get up in the helicopter to view the big picture. We can so easily lose sight, can't we, of the big picture as we focus on those operational things. Now, our guest today is far better placed than a fishery manager to help us with the big picture when it comes to business. His name is Roger Harrop. He's the CEO expert and he's probably the most highly regarded and sought after international business growth expert in the world. Now, Roger has the insights as to how top CEOs perform. And I'd recommend listening with pen and paper if you're pursuing profitable growth right now, because I think there'll be a lot of really good um, ideas that come out of today. Now, Roger Harrop spent over 25 years leading international businesses at the highest level. 
As an international business growth speaker, he's inspired transformational change for over 10,000 leaders through his programs, which include a program called Staying in the Helicopter. Roger's ranked in the top 10 management and strategy speakers worldwide. That's on Speaker Wiki. He was voted Best Speaker of the Year by members of the Academy of Chief Executive Speakers on two occasions. He's also an author, accredited SME business advisor, a mentor, consultant, independent director with extensive multi-sector experience. He spent seven years as group CEO of a FTSE um, high-tech industrial instrumentation group operating over four continents. He's run businesses for major multinationals, been a tutor with a leading leadership and team building program for over 25 years. And he's one of only six people worldwide to be awarded the prestigious Professional Speaking Award of Excellence. And from my own experiences, it's an absolute pleasure to know. So a big welcome today to Roger Harrop. Hello, it's nice to be with you, Chris. How are you today? I'm wonderful, thanks. And you? Thank you. Apart from a sore elbow. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, of course. So, so let's start, Roger. Um, perhaps you could share with us uh, what you mean by getting up in the helicopter. Yes, uh, it's it's a concept, really, which... I want to see all business leaders taking up. It's all about really getting up in that helicopter and looking at the big picture, just looking over the horizon for starters and seeing where it is you're trying to to navigate to in your business. And the other thing about it when you're up there in that helicopter is, you know, mountains become molehills. That's the way it works. So that's what that's all about. And it's also about keeping business simple because I really believe it is. You know, someone has something to sell. Somebody wants to buy. Maybe someone has to make something. That's all business is, really. I mean, that's, that's a really good point, isn't it? But, uh, is keeping keeping focused on the simple, because actually we could be doing all sorts of things, I guess, in the periphery that um, aren't enabling us to focus on the, the simple things that need to be done. Um, I think there's uh, you know, real wisdom in that, keeping it simple. Uh, exactly. So I wonder, I mean, I know you deal with a lot of CEOs of, of big companies, but also lots of small businesses. Now, I wonder from your perspective, what do you find are the common problems when it comes to achieving profitable growth? Well, I guess there's three principal ones, Chris. I guess the first thing, the first thing I always talk about uh, is purpose. What's the purpose of your business? That sounds a strange question, perhaps. But what I mean by purpose is not vision or mission. It's higher in the helicopter than that. What's your business there for? The second thing is all around people. Inevitably, it's around leadership and it's around the leadership focusing on those simple things that are important to achieve your purpose uh, and all the things that relate to to people. And the final area is change. You know, the status quo is not an option. It's really as simple as that. Uh, and really, you need everybody in your organization to accept and recognize that. So are these, are these Roger, the longer-term strategic elements people should focus on? Or is that, uh, is that so? Well, yes, I would say all those three really never stop. They're, those three are ones that you should regularly be getting in your helicopter, getting up in your helicopter and having a look at. They never stop. So, yes, they are the longer-term strategic ones, but that doesn't mean you have a look at them and then you stick them away you know, and you forget about them for a year or two. The, the, these days, you've really got to keep an eye all the time over the horizon at, at those, particularly those three areas I've just mentioned. And do, do, you, uh, do you recommend to people a frequency of doing this? Yeah, I, what I tend to say in, you know, at the end of my masterclasses to, to people is, look, um, 
you know, you've seen the benefits today. They've, they're usually saying to me, we've seen the benefits today of getting up in the helicopter and keeping it simple. How do we keep it going? And what I tend to say to people is, you know, find a mechanism that works for you. Um, Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's once every couple of weeks. Take a couple of hours out. I mean, in my own case, I find physical distance makes a difference. You know, when I'm physically remote from the office, I find it easier to get in my helicopter and look back at my business. Uh, other people, it's maybe when they're up the gym, you know, they're at the gym and that they, they, they can really, again, stand back and get out from the mud and the bullets and look at their business. But it's really whatever suits you. But you do need to have that discipline. You know, if you are running a business of, of absolutely any size. And, and, and what um, the first thing you mentioned actually was was purpose there. Um, you know, what's the purpose of the business? And I wonder how do people get really clear about that? Because that can be quite a challenging question sometimes. Absolutely. Um, uh, I've worked with uh, with clients large and small where it's taken sort of four, five, six, two hour sessions to end up with a purpose. What I say to people is you need to get it to a sentence and then ideally get it to half a sentence, because if you can have that sort of laser beam focus, you really do stand a very good chance of getting there. And the people who need to talk about this are the shareholders. Um, so. The shareholders, whoever they are, they may be family members, they may be partners, whatever it is. The shareholders need to sit down and, and, and agree the purpose of the business. What's it there for? And then readdress that fairly regularly as well, because often these things diverge over time or through generations. If, on the other hand, you're employed as opposed to running your own business, if you're employed uh, to be a CEO like, like I was, you need to ask the question. Now, this is an obvious thing to say, but how many of us actually ask the question, what's the purpose of the business? Please tell me, because otherwise, how do I know what success looks like? So those would be the two things that I would say. You've really got to nail that purpose. What is it that we're seeking to achieve? What does success look like for this business? And what, what sort of uh, you know, what, what sort of things do people find out of that process? I mean, when you say what does success look like? And it needs to come out in half a sentence. I mean, what, what, what are the sort of maybe phrases do you, do you, that you typically? Yeah. If I'm really honest, uh, Chris, what I find is 90, probably 90 times out of 100, uh, that purpose is something financial. Mm. Uh, whether you like it or not, it is. You know, it is something financial. Now, it might be as simple as um, to sell the business for the highest possible price in three years time. It might be just that, in which case every strategic decision you take from that moment on in the business, you put across that filter. Is this a step along the way to achieving that? Yes or no. And if it's no, you don't do it. I, I, I recall I worked with a family business. In fact, I was a non-exec director of a family business um, a while back now. Uh, uh, and um, it was really interesting because it, it was a family business. It had been started by the father who was now dead. It was being run by two of the sons. There was another son and a daughter not in the business. And there was a mother not in the business. And it was just sort of just starting, if you like. There were sort of mumblings. Uh, the two guys running the business were saying to themselves, we're generating all this additional wealth. But, you know, they're getting benefit the same as us. That's not fair. And the ones not in the business were saying, well, we never get a dividend. So what's the point? So we sat down and went through the pr this process. We ended up with something uh, as a purpose that may sound very mundane. What we ended up with was sustained profitable growth with a target of 15% return on sales and normally pay a dividend. Now, that was after about, I don't know how many hours of discussion. That's what we ended up with. But you know what? You can actually look at the graphs. You can look back. That was a catalyst 
for a major turning point in the in that business, because suddenly everyone is pulling in the direct the same direction. Everyone now knows what the business is there to do. And as a member of the main board there, you know, strategic decisions we took from that moment on, we put across that filter every time. Is it a step along the way to achieving that? Yes or no. So this really is an important thing to do. And, and do, you, do you feel um, you, you mentioned that nine, 90 out of 100 purposes are something financial um does that enable people to be kind of worthy with what they do if their focus is you know cash and 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 finance absolutely fair point you know if if it was just something financial we'd go and rob a bank because that's the easiest way to make money isn't it um but for me and this is merely the way i look at it purpose is up there at twenty thousand feet down at 10,000 feet, you then have your vision. And your vision is, and I'm and, and sorry, purpose is something which you may or may not share with your st- stakeholders. Vision is what you do share with your stakeholders. And that's all about how you're going to achieve your purpose. It's all about your values. It's all about what you're about. Now, I work a, a fair bit with uh, charities as well. And I would argue with charities, you probably re- you probably reverse those two. So it starts with what the charity is there to achieve. In terms of the purpose, but the vision is the financial bit. And, and let's be honest, with some charities, they forget that financial bit because, you know, a charity, most charities, just like any other business, actually grows by generating something called profit that they reinvest in the growth of the organization. Um, so you, you need both those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, was, I was with a, a board fairly recently and uh, we were talking about purpose and they said, yeah, it was money, nothing else. Uh, and I must say, I found that quite uh, a hard thing to take, actually, and and listen to, because uh, I think uh, uh, I think that the business would be better if it was a if it was a combination of the money, but also thinking about uh, the value too. Absolutely, um, but again, you know, it's it's all a question of balance, isn't it? Uh, I have I, in somewhere like Hong Kong or Singapore. It, there's never any discussion. It's, it's about making money, full stop. You know, what other purpose could there be for a business? You know, it's straightforward. But, you know, here in the West in particular, I think you're right. We, we have other values. We have other things we look at, but we mustn't lose sight of it. I, again, I worked with a um, an architect practice in London not long ago and cut a very long story short. You know, what I do when I work with a, com- a company around purpose, I just stand at the flip chart at the beginning and say, What's the purpose? Please tell me. And um, this the structure of this this company was there were six shareholders, four in the board and two that weren't. And one of them was like the, you know, the lady who did the admin. And uh, anyway, I asked them, you know, what's the purpose? And I got all kinds of stuff, you know, save the planet, be the best architects in the world, all kinds of stuff. And I was getting onto the third page and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really hope that somebody says it sooner or later. And actually this little voice, and it was a little voice and it was this admin lady. She said, you know what, I'm a shareholder in this business and I'd really like a return that's better than putting my money in the bank. Yeah. Suddenly there was silence in the room and we then had a high quality discussion and they actually said to me, we have never even thought about that before. You know, so so it, it is a question of getting balance and, and, and some organizations, particularly in the West, have perhaps gone too far away from the fact that money is important to reinvest in the business and maybe other in other places they've gone too far too far the other way as you mentioned in terms of money being the only the only thing that they're they're, they're targeting great so it's a, so it's a balance so after we're going to go to a commercial break now but after the commercial break i'd love to hear your ideas on on keeping sales and marketing simple so uh, we'll come back with you again in a, just a couple of minutes 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of uh, bemoreachievemore.com, the facilitator of the Achiever program. And also, I'm talking today with uh, Roger Harrop. We're talking about profitable growth and staying in the helicopter. So. Roger, before the break, you mentioned keep business uh, simple. And uh, I know um, we've talked about sales and marketing, and, and you, you and I um, together before. And I, I just wonder, on areas like sales and marketing, you know, what are your key ideas on keeping them simple? Well, it's probably the easiest area to keep simple, and it's probably the area that is made so complex by so many people. Um, I mean, the first thing is, particularly in the sort of times we've had over the last three or four years in, in a number of countries, is, is this. Golden rule of business, sell to people who've got money. If your traditional customers haven't got any money, don't try and sell to them. Now, it's such an obvious thing to say, but how many of us actually think like that? Um, just to give you an example, you know, if you're in the business of selling to people who uh, who make uh, who make laptops, who make computers, I was speaking at a conference in Warsaw last year, and a fellow presenter was the uh, chief executive of uh, a well-known uh, computer maker. Um, he was the chief executive of, uh, of them in Europe, and I was sort of talking to him in the break, and I said, how are things? He said, they're appalling. We're, we're 66% down. The very next day, Apple announced that they were up 50%. Mm. Why would you even think of trying to sell to the first company when you know that Apple have got money coming out of their ears? And, and I don't – honestly, I don't find many salespeople who think like that, and you need to. You need to. Um, you've got to sell to people who've got money. And the second thing is, and this is a real sort of truism, if you like, no matter what your business is, absolutely no matter what your business is, there is a ratio between the number of properly pre-qualified leads you get and the business you get. There's a ratio, and an awful lot of us measure that ratio. It's a percentage. It may be 20% or 10% or something. 
And therefore, if that's true, if you can double the number of leads you can get, you get, you will double your business. And it doesn't matter whether there's a recession on it. It doesn't matter whether, whether times are hard or not. That is an absolute fact. So the whole business of prospecting is vitally important. You've got to prospect. You've got to go out there metaphorically knocking on doors of people who have never bought from you. Or my definition would be have not bought from you in the last three years. And again, I'm afraid it's something that an awful lot of sales forces and sales management don't spend enough time focusing on. Very, very good point. So sell to people who, who have money so and potentially design products for people that have money, I guess. Um, yeah. Or... Uh, or look for them in your in your target market, and then also prospecting. It's quite that's quite simple. What, what what's your thoughts on uh, all these things like social media and those sorts of tools to to do this? I mean, do you have a view on that? Yes, I do. Um, and uh, they're they're just wonderful tools. You know, the whole business of uh, let's just call it marketing for the moment is getting easier and easier and easier. It's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and it's moving more and more towards the small and medium organization or enterprise. Um, YouTube, for example, YouTube is viewed daily by five billion people. I know a little family business. It's a, it's um, they are um, uh, gosh, what do you call them? Builders supplies. Last year, they increased sales dramatically by producing a number of videos that they stuck on YouTube. Marketing cost, zero. Um, I know other people who, um, who, who are using Twitter, who are using LinkedIn to get business. I get business through Twitter. I get business through LinkedIn. What's the marketing cost? Zero. We're in a world now where it isn't a question of how much you spend. It's a question of being creative and a, and a question of where you put your focus in. So social media, without doubt, can help you get business, no matter what size you are. Fantastic. You, you, we, we talked, um, when you mentioned um, sort of mentioned purpose, leadership, change in these sort of strategic elements, um, I, I wonder if you could um, now share your views with us on, on leadership and uh, maybe also people. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think... Um, I was interested to see some research um, a little while back, um, which was um, they asked a question um, uh, of people generally in business. Why do you follow someone? Just that. That was the question. Why do you follow someone? And the answers were the answer was 88 percent said a feeling of fun, energy and excitement. That's why they follow someone. Now, as leaders in business, we need to recognize that we need to, to, to show those things, fun, energy and excitement. Yeah, we may be going through turgid times. Yeah, all kinds of things must be happening. But you know what? Being a chief executive, being a business leader, being a vice president is a bit like being an actor. It's a bit like being what I am, a, 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 a speaker. You're on parade. You're performing to some extent. And, you know, you need to demonstrate to people this feeling of fun. It can still be fun even when times are hard. It can be exciting even when times are hard and it should be. And you need to demonstrate energy. Those are the three things above everything else that, that people want to see in leaders. And that will be infectious and people will be following you. And the whole company is starting to improve. Um, and I guess the other thing around people, of course, is all about performing teams these days. You know, a real performing teams is worth many times the sum of the parts. And it's something that we really need to put focus on. Um, 
performing teams have very clear direction. They they um, there's a lot of mutual trust, uh, respect and support uh, amongst them. And, and there's other things that go on. And the whole business of putting teams together with a mix of personalities, uh, a, a mix of uh, behavioral qualities is, again, I think, really important. And I worry a bit that HR people these days are just spending a bit too much on the um, on the left brain stuff, you know, the the uh, the employment legislation and the health and safety and the uh, 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 and the corporate so- and social responsibility. They need to spend some more time back on the people, I think, and looking and helping the business leaders make sure that we get performing teams throughout our organisation. Hmm. <clears throat> I think, you know, some really good points there and the you know, the leadership thing, I think what you're talking about there is, you know, the leader almost has to be this uh, sort of beacon of energy. Yes. That, that engages. It, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Organization. And then we need uh, that energy also has to transfer in terms of uh, intelligent performing teams that have got the clear direction. And because uh, those are the people who ultimately are going to deliver, aren't they? That's right. And there's one other thing that was interesting, another piece of research I saw, which uh, was in the US, in fact, uh, asking uh, employees really what they wanted, what were the top eight things they wanted. And there was a number of them. But the one that I found particularly important, number two, was discipline. And what they said was, we want our co-workers disciplined if they're stepping out of line. We don't want soft management. We don't want you spending time, um, you know, dancing around the problem. It is unfair on us if those people are not disciplined. So I, I think that's another message, which is these days you simply can't afford to have passengers in the organization because the first people who know about it are those people's co-workers, not you. They know about it. And you need as a leader really to do something about that, despite, if I dare say this, despite the employment legislation, if you want really performing teams, you can't have passengers for any length of time. Oh, that's very true. And, and and the inability to deal with those issues uh, does reflect on the perception and the brand of the leader, doesn't it? Certainly does. Without doubt. Yeah, certainly does. Um, so I think um, I think we probably all agree with what you just said there. Now, you also mentioned that change about change. And I think we've when we've talked. You referred to change being a constant. Um, do you want to share your thoughts on change? Yes, as I said earlier, I think, you know, the status quo is not an option. It's a bit of a trite statement to say, but it, but it's true, you know, I, I, particularly again, if I may, with what's gone on in the last three years, nothing's a given anymore. There's not, you know, there's not loyalty anymore from customers to suppliers, suppliers, uh, any of that really in the way that it might have been before. And that means, and I think it's healthy, let me say, it, it means you have to be on your metal, um, change should be endemic uh, throughout the organization. It should be an, uh, an integral part of what goes on. And I guess two of the measures for me, two of the things there that I would say is you should be doing absolutely nothing in your business simply because you've always done it that way. Everything you do in your business, every now and again, you need to get in your helicopter, if you like. You need to pick it up, have a look at it and say, is that right for the future? Yes or no. And if it's no, even if it was the crown jewels that you built your business on, you throw it away. And the second thing is you should always be striving to do better. Never even take a chance to sit back on your laurels because you'll just disappear if you're not careful. And, you know, businesses either grow or contract. They cannot stand still. And if they're not growing, 
then they're contracting. That's the way it works. So you need to be and your entire organization needs to be putting a lot of effort into constant change, which is focused on that purpose we talked about earlier and nothing else. Yeah, I guess you you know you look at a company like Apple, and even though they're doing extremely well, there's a continuous evolution of their products, isn't there? And their services around the globe. And I suppose we have to look at companies like that because it is it is very easy, and particularly if you are a small business, to sit on your laurels if things are good. But eventually, that that change will come, won't it? Exactly. And indeed, you know, you mentioned Apple equally. I won't give names but you know i think all of us can think of major major corporations around the world that have sat back on their laurels and have suddenly lost their preeminence you know then they're no longer number one in anything that you can think of and you go wow how did that happen uh, and it happens because and maybe it's human nature to some extent it's very easy to get content and complacent and maybe a little bit conceited if you're doing well you know it's when you're doing really well, that's the most dangerous time, I think. And that's very true. I mean, we've got a couple of minutes to commercial break. But on this point, if someone's sitting here thinking, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, a consultant or there's only, there's only me. Um, yep. how, how do you think, you know, people in those situations? And I've experienced it that you get a period when you're really busy doing client work. But I also know that there is a period after that that follows or can follow when suddenly there's nothing or very little. Um, do you have any thoughts about how to, you know, for people with smaller businesses to make sure that they also do? Uh, yeah. uh, certainly, Chris, and it goes back to what I said earlier, and, and you've, you've, you've pinpointed a, an, an absolute problem, particularly for, for one man bands or small businesses, um, which is what I said earlier. You must not stop prospecting. You know, the, the sort of generally accepted rule is whoever is responsible for selling should be spending around 20% of their time prospecting in normal times. That's a day a week. But the easy thing for all of us to do is to fill our week up with work. If you fill up with your, your week with work, when that week comes to an end, when that work comes to an end, as you're suggesting, suddenly there's no more. You have continually got a prospect and you've got to discipline yourself to do that. Do not take work for five days of the week every week. That's a really difficult thing to make yourself do, but that's what you have to do, and it's what every business has to do, I believe. I shall be taking this, sending this recording to my Achiever Programme group to, uh, to remind them of that very point. Okay, great. <laughs> um, thank you very much. We're going to go to commercial break now, but after the commercial break, we're going to find out, uh, a num- talk about a number of other key areas, which uh, I know Roger's got some great insights that will be very helpful for us when we're and profitably growing our businesses. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. Our guest this week is going to give us a rare look into the world of global hackers. The author of We Are Anonymous, Parmi Olson, will be here to tell us how hackers have assaulted Visa, PayPal, Sony Entertainment, even the Vatican. This is one program you don't want to miss. Join Parmi Olson this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. 
You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and I'm with Roger Harrop. We're talking about profitable growth and staying in the helicopter. Uh, now, Roger, times are hard right now, aren't they? Uh, what, what has changed from your perspective in the last three or four years? Well, you say times are hard, um, Chris. Yeah, they are in some parts of the world. Um, there are other parts of the world that are absolutely booming. But what I see in both is a similar characteristic in business. You know, the easiest thing to be in business is a busy fool. And what I'm seeing in – I've been going to Dubai now and the, the Emirates probably for about 10 years. And before the crash in 2008, I'd, I'd go along to – I'd talk to chief executives in the, you know, Dubai or the Emirates. And I'd say, how are things? And I'd say, oh, it's ridiculous. You know, sales are double last year. I'd say, yeah, okay, so what about the bottom line? How's that? Ah, well, you know, we've had to get some more expats in and we've had to do this and and really, you know, profits aren't brilliant. Well, that's a busy fool. What's the point, you know? I'm seeing the same thing now in other countries around the world. I was in Bangladesh uh, uh, last November and it reminds me of Dubai 10 years ago. It's full of lots of businesses that are doing very well on the top line but not so sure on the bottom line. And there's other economies around like that. In those economies in the West, if you like, or in the developed countries where we, we've been hit by the credit crunch, I'm finding the same thing for a different reason. It's just too easy for people to blame the recession, the credit crunch, whatever. And at the drop of a the hat, they're giving discounts. At the drop of the hat, they're taking business they wouldn't normally take at margins. They wouldn't normally take it at. And that's busy fools as well. Uh, and I guess a big message that I would want to give to people is – No matter where you are, no matter what your business is, no matter what you're doing, if you've got less than 80 percent market share, and that applies to the vast majority of us, then there is significant headroom above. And therefore, there is significant business. Just go and get it. You might have to work harder to get it than you did in the past. But please don't drop your prices. Please don't drop your margins. Just like that. Mm. Sorry, sounds like a lecture. (laughs) I think it, yeah, and I think again another key point. And I guess if you if you do have over eighty percent market share, um, maybe there still isn't an excuse because you may need to find some other markets to serve. 
Dead right, Chris. Dead right. It's a dangerous place to be with more than 80 percent market share. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, in, you know, in a very interesting point and um, and there are a lot of people at the moment. It's, it's easy, isn't it? With there's a culture, isn't there, of talking, talking ourselves into more recession, into negativity and the, the press and the news about uh, businesses closing, etc. But actually, you know, you know, interestingly, looking at a lot of markets uh, where people are struggling there, usually you can find those ones that are thriving too, can't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And what do you see um, people doing when they're, you know, really succeeding in this environment that those who aren't succeeding aren't doing? What I'm seeing, um, Chris, is that the successful businesses now, it's no longer at all anything to do with the sector you're in. You know, there's sectors here in the UK or in the US where, you know, you'd you'd say to me, oh, you know, they, they, they must be close to going bust. I don't know, real estate, for example. But just a couple of weeks ago, I spent I did a one day workshop with a firm of estate agents here in the UK um, and they're going like a train. They go like a train and they wanted me so they could go even faster. Um, so it's, ne- it's no longer anything to do with the sector you're in. What it's all about, it's all about those companies, those organizations that are focusing on the basics of business. And there are four basics of business that I would argue. You've got to be exceptional at what you do. It's no longer good enough being good at what you do or being outstanding at what you do. It's got to be except you've got to be exceptional. Second thing is it's got to be a great place to work. The third is. And we've touched on it already today. You've got a prospect for business. And the fourth is, and we've in a, in a way touched a little on this. You've got to focus on the bottom line. Just those four. Basically, that's what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter whether you are a, a firm of accountants, a firm of architects, you know, a, a corner shop. It doesn't matter what your business is, the biggest corporate in the world. If you focus on those four things, I guarantee you're going to do well. It's quite a quite a refreshing thing, isn't it, to get in the helicopter? Actually, we get we get stuck in the detail. Uh, it's, yep. it, it's a great place to be because it's um, it's a slightly rarefied atmosphere, but it does enable you to see crystal clearly, you know, what it is that you need to do. So let's talk about you know becoming exceptional at what you do. How do you how do you do that? It is a cultural thing, Chris. You've, it, it's got to go right the way through the company and it's got to be absolutely everywhere you touch customers. Let me tell you a little story. A friend of mine, uh, he and his wife went to, uh, again, Dubai last year, uh, went to one of these uh, mega hotels, whatever, seven star, eight star, nine star hotel uh, for a four day break. And he said to me afterwards, he said it was a ridiculous amount of money, you know, squillions of dollars or whatever. He says just ridiculous. But but you know what? It was it was great. It was fantastic. He said, until it came to the last 10 minutes. And all I'm talking about is the last 10 minutes. I said, well, what happened in the last 10 minutes? And he said, well, I went along to reception to pay my bill and I gave him my credit card. And it was, you know, it's red hot. It was a very big bill. And he said, would you believe? He said, the receptionist actually threw my credit card back at me. And whilst it was in midair, he was already talking to the next person in line behind me. He said, I was incensed. Absolutely incensed. How dare they treat me like that when I've spent this amount of money? And it's the only thing I'm talking about. Now, I cannot imagine that hotel even knows that's happened. They have no idea that's happened. And it may be the same in your organization. It is absolutely everyone, everywhere who touches customers at any time. It's got to be exceptional. 
And, you know, by the way, there's a downside. We talked a bit about social networks earlier, but these days, of course, you know, you do touch a customer badly. And it can be a video up on YouTube very quickly. I think my record of, of, of videoing, um, um, uh, it was actually a, a video testimonial and getting up on YouTube was six and a half minutes. You know, it's very easy to do. So there's very good reason to do this, but it, you've just simply got to be exceptional everywhere. And again, this is the brutal bit that may go with that. What it means is you've got to have people in your organization with customers stamped on their forehead. And if they haven't, then they are the wrong people for you to use to deal with customers. Yeah, that, that, I guess that uh, it goes back. I remember that piece of research in, with the Scandinavian Airlines, wasn't it? And they uh, they were really struggling and they brought some consultants in to look at what the problem with their business was. And they realized that the customer facing people, many of them were internally focused. Right. Those, yep. Those people at the, the checkout, so you, you go to talk and they're busy. I just hang on a minute and they're busy doing their internal things and not conversing with you. And they, they went through a process of, of choosing people who were customer focused and moving the others into administrative roles and various other things. And it had a huge impact. And, and let's be honest, all that is is round pegs for round holes. And perhaps going back to what I was saying about HR, you know, there's, there needs to be, a, I think, a greater focus on people than perhaps has applied uh, in, in recent times. Yeah, people, and I guess their hearts and minds. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. what's in your view, we've got about four minutes till commercial break now, but I mean, what in your view constitutes a, a great place to work? <laughs> yeah, now that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, if you talk to people who are experts on, on Generation Y, what they say is Generation Y, the, the people who are now in their 20s, I guess, and it's what I'm observing as well, and I don't think it is just Generation Y, it's others as well, is people have a choice these days. They will not work for people whose values they don't share. They would rather not work at all than work for someone whose values they don't share. And secondly, those values, the organization has to walk the talk. And again, there's a bit of research that I've seen which uh, is a bit frightening because I think it was something like 88% of respondents said, yep, I want to work for an organization who have values I share. And only 45% said, well, actually, the organization I work for does walk the talk in terms of its values. That's just simply not good enough. As I say, people do have a choice and they will not work for you unless you you have those sort of values. So, so I mean, that's just part of being a great place to work. Um, just another little little thing, if we've, we've got a moment, in that research I mentioned earlier where they asked people what they wanted their employer to be like. And, and, and one, of the, one of the ones, what they wanted from their employer, one of the high up ones was praise. You know, how good are you at actually praising people? You know, it isn't about giving people money. It's, it's just praising them. And um, I was a very, very lucky when I was a young guy. I, I um, Coming through business, I had a great boss, a guy called Arthur Shillito, wonderful man. And one of the things he did was if you'd ever been in a meeting with somebody external, a customer or a supplier or whatever, um, an hour later on your desk would be a handwritten note from Arthur which said, thank you very much for your contribution to the meeting. I really appreciated Arthur. You know, your chest would go out, your shoulders would go back. I would do anything for Arthur Shillito simply because of these handwritten notes that he gave gave you. These things are not difficult, but I find people who can't even bother be bothered to send an email saying thank you. We need to praise people. However much you've been praising people in your organisation, everyone, please, after today, do twice as much. 
And an interesting point you make there, because I think back through you know my career working in in big corporate companies, and I can actually I think if I sat down, I could very quickly write down on a piece of paper you know the people who had bothered to send me a handwritten note or a card at various points in my career, either saying thank you or well done. And I and I remember them all fondly. I can think of about three at the moment, but I remember them all fondly straight away. Um, so you can have a long term impact too, can't it? Certainly, certainly. And none of this is difficult, you know. None of it is it. It doesn't cost any money, and it's not difficult. It's just about keeping stuff simple, and and helping them to, to keep people on side, keep them motivated. It's just you could almost say it was a common courtesy, but just do it. And for for a CEO and and senior person, it should be part of the job, shouldn't it? Without doubt, absolutely without doubt. At every level, you know, sometimes we think the people who are you know alongside us, our fellow directors or VPs, wouldn't need this. They need it just the same. They're human beings, just like everyone else in the organisation. In fact, at that that level, my experience is you sometimes don't get you get less. I, I agree with you. It's more lonely place, and you actually need it more. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Great, so we're going to go into commercial break now, and after the break, we're going to find out your thoughts on on prospecting, which uh, I agree with you is so very important. So we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes, so please do come back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. And I'm with Roger Harrop, and we're talking about profitable growth and staying in the helicopter. And actually, I was just chatting with Roger during the break and asking him about his hobbies, and he's got a he's got a new one, kite surfing. That seems a, a brave a new hobby, Roger. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it gets me up. It's a bit like being in the helicopter, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> we look forward to seeing clips of you on YouTube and things like that. <laughs> I did see some, that somebody recently kite surfed over the Brighton Pier, which was quite a, quite a thing to see. Really or not? Sorry? 
liberally? <laughs> liberally, they planned it. They it, they took a, a long, long time to plan it, and it had to be a, a combination of the waves just being right and the wind being right. But they absolutely flew right over the top of the pier, over um, surprised onlookers and things. Wow! So it wasn't. They didn't ask for permission. <laughs> a flying license <laughs> so so from, from um, kite surfing um let's talk about best prospecting for business so how do you best prospect for business well uh, again it's something that's getting easier and easier chris i mean it's pretty easy to do your research these days um you you, you asked me about social networks earlier i am Staggered. Let's start there. I am staggered. I can only use that word by the number of people I come across in business, but particularly salespeople and sales managers who go out to talk to a new prospect and they don't check them out on social media first. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Because you're turning a, a cold lead into a warm lead straight away. You know, you can find out what, you know, football team or basketball team they follow. You can find out all kinds of things about these people so that as I say, you've turned a cold lead into a warm lead. So that's the first thing that I am you know, amazed that people don't do. What would it take? Ten minutes. Um, in terms of prospecting, though, you've you've got to do your homework first. You need to do some proper marketing, uh, market research online. Um, you know, we said earlier about targeting people who've got money in your sector, whoever it is you sell to, um, and then find a way to contact them. I personally find that if I contact someone through LinkedIn, I am much more likely to get uh, to see them. Uh, you know, in my world, I'm looking to talk to and meet with um, event planners. And they're notorious. You send them an email, you don't get a reply. You try telephoning them. They've got a gatekeeper. So what I found is that uh, I'll give you an example. I was in um, where was I? Cape Town or somewhere. I can't remember where I was now. Um, and I had a few minutes to spare and I thought, look, I'll just try this. So I typed in um, event managers uh, Cape Town into LinkedIn. And, you know, you can send uh, messages, I think, five a week for free. And I sent just sent a message saying, uh, I, I'm in Cape Town. Do you fancy a coffee? That's literally all I put. Uh, there were three people came up. All three replied. I met with two of them. Now, I don't think I could have done that using any other mechanism at all. So you've, you've got to use all these different ways to get in front of people. And once you're in front of those people, then you've got to have a very clear and concise elevator pitch, whatever you want to call it, where you are demonstrating to them the benefits you can give them of them working with you. This is all very simple, basic stuff. But that's where we are. It is not difficult to get more prospects. I work with sales forces, you know, and I, I use a little model. It's a bit like a Boston matrix, if you can imagine a Boston matrix. And, and if you like on the, the, the Y axis, you've got prospecting or not prospecting uh, above and below. And on the X axis, you've got however you measure salesmen. Let's say it's orders. Uh, heart, the right hand side, you're ahead of budget. Left hand side, you're behind. So you've got four boxes there very quickly. Top left hand box is juniors. Every, every salesperson starts as a junior. By definition, everything they do is prospecting. By definition, they're behind budget. You want them to move to, move to the top right hand corner, which are stars. And indeed, that's where you want most of your salespeople are stars. They're ahead of budget and they are prospecting. But you know what happens? You know what happens the same as I do, don't you? They get too busy. You know, customer demands. Prospecting gets a bit beneath them. Whatever the reason is, they drop down to the bottom right hand box and those are cows. And these are the people I find often in sales forces are held in the highest regard. They're ahead of budget. 
But you know what? They haven't been prospecting. They haven't been prospecting for some time. And suddenly a customer disappears. A customer moves to China, whatever it might be. And they move to the bottom left hand box and they're dogs. And they're really in trouble now because they're behind budget and they have not been prospecting and they're really in trouble. And there's two choices for them. Brutal stuff. They either learn how to be juniors again or they have to leave very quickly. You need to have a majority of your salespeople in the top right hand box. I find very few sales forces anywhere in the world where that's the case. But if you can move them into that box, just think how much better that you can be doing. I think that's a a brilliant and simple way to look at it. So part of those two axes of behind budget and above and prospecting or not make an awful lot of sense. I've not seen anybody do that before. I think that's a great use of the boss matrix. (laughs) It's just keeping it simple. And I'm afraid I have found very, very few uh, vice presidents of sales, sales directors or sales managers who actually think about this sort of stuff. And what goes with that? Let's get back to the people again. If you think of each of those four different types of people in those four boxes, they need handling by the sales manager, director, their boss, whoever that is, in a different way. They need to be thinking about that. You know, star uh, juniors need encouraging and helping stars. You need to keep their feet on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. That's the job of the manager. But I don't see many doing it. No. Before we go, we've only got a sort of two or three minutes left to be able to, to finish here. I want you just quickly to maybe articulate how we keep the focus on the bottom line, because that's really important, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. And, and, and I suppose there's um, uh, uh, a couple of things that I'd want to say there. One is about price. You know, I, uh, there's been, I don't know, five, ten years. I think it all started with Volkswagen's buying uh, purchasing department, uh, as I recall, where there's been this big focus on discounting and price reduction and all that. And I just want people to get away from that. You know, companies aren't mediocre anymore. The mediocre ones generally have gone bust. And that means you deserve higher prices. I always have to say this twice because I have to get, it has to get through the gray matter. You deserve higher prices. And let me ask every single person listening to this uh, this program, what would happen if you put up your prices one percent nine o'clock tomorrow morning? I guarantee the vast majority of you would not lose any customers. But there's something about price. It goes straight on the bottom line to reinvest in the growth of the business. So just do it. You know, running business is about taking risks. And I think the risk of putting one or two percent on your prices is probably a pretty low risk, but it's the right thing to do for your business. The next one that goes along with that is people laugh at me because I'm always talking about customer elimination campaigns and product elimination campaigns. Critically look at your customers and the margin you're making from them and your products and the making and the margins you're making from them. And the ones down at the bottom that are making inadequate margins, get rid of them. Or even better, just stick their prices up 20 percent and take the consequences. You will be amazed. It's a back. It's back to the sort of busy fools thing in a way. What's the point uh, in being a busy fool? And then I think the last thing I just want to say in terms of the bottom line, Chris, is. I, I think a number of governments around the world have demonstrated this. So so can you. I bet you can cut your overheads by 10 percent just by saying you're going to just say just set a target of reducing your overheads by 10 percent. And you can probably do it. And finally, I know I've only got a minute. Productivity. For me, productivity is a a very simple formula. Sales, revenues divided by the number of people in dollars or in pounds. Set a target to increase that by 10 percent per annum. I guarantee you'll have sustained profitable growth. 
Fabulous. I mean, do you have any quick uh, key messages that you want to leave us with in general? Well, I guess it's the, it's what we've talked about really, which is keep it simple, simple and redouble the prospecting you're doing and you just won't look back. Fantastic. That was really, really insightful and very helpful, Roger. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Chris. You're very welcome. To find out more about Roger Harrop, go to www.rogerharrop. That's uh, com. If you have any questions or feedback, please do send them to me at info at bemoreachievemore.com uh, and leave them on the Facebook page as well at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. Uh, do subscribe to my newsletter. I keep you updated on, updated on uh, new shows. And next week, we have an amazing interview as well. It's with the former saxophone player from Dire Straits, um, Chris White, who's now with a band called The Straits. And um, we're going to talk about his uh, lessons from his amazing life in music, which has included things like um, playing at Live Aid and the Nelson Mandela concerts, etc. So do join us again next week. And uh, thank you very much. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.